Hi, my name's Rob Harrison, and I'm the host of Real Friends. Today's story involves a good friend of mine, Ryan Smith, who I've known for over 10 years. Ryan and I talk about his current season of life, marriage, career, and his faith life. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy Ryan's story. When did we actually meet? So we met Halloween of 2009. Okay. I had been going to the crossing for about three weeks. Mm-hmm. And that was, I think, your last year hosting the Halloween party. I could very well. Maybe, yeah. maybe the first and last, oh. perhaps. And then I came out here, and there was like 100 people here. I, or, I mean, oh. there wasn't, but it felt that way. And yeah. I remember the pile of shoes. Yeah, right. Right yeah. the front door. And um, that was the first time. And then... Um, you know, just kind of interactions, you know, and, and, you know, whenever there was an event, there seemed to be Rob, you know, there taking pictures and we're like, you know, this is great. You know, we, you know, we definitely appreciated you being in those places, yeah. taking yeah. the pictures, capturing, documenting them. And then without fail that night before we went to bed, we were on Facebook. <laughs> they had to be up. They had to be up. I knew that was kind of like my niche is I had to get the uh, pictures up. As quickly as possible, so that people could go ahead and enjoy them. Right. So that's something that we all appreciated. I mean, I, at least I know I did. Yeah. So, oh, that's good. So that's thank good you to hear. for that. And Photography has definitely been one of my passions slash ministries that I've been able to pour into over the last, I don't know, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way I like to go ahead and start this is, are you familiar with the five love languages? I am. Okay. Yes. Um, so what I kind of like to do is uh, I consider it to be kind of like a relationship or a love quiz, love tune-up. And this is basically to figure out where your heart is these days. And so what I'd like to do is go through each one of the love languages. You can kind of tell me where that registers with you, how important it is, and then have you answer for Jamie how important she thinks that those love languages would be for her. So, okay. So the first love language is physical affection. How important, where's physical affection sit these days for you? And what is physical affection? Because last sure. time we had Garrett over here, Garrett said that as a married man, he kind of answered that differently than he would maybe, you know, as a single man would have answered it. And I, I did kind of cheat, so I listened to that a couple of weeks ago when you, when okay. you shared it with us. And I'm so like, don't share Garrett's answer <laughs> verbatim. <laughs> right. Um, I would agree, though, that uh, physical affection is different between being single and married. Mm-hmm. Um in reality, I wish it wasn't mm-hmm. because when you're dating someone or you're pursuing someone, you're more intentional. At least I found that in my case, more intentional with the the gentle, you know, kind of slap you know, or pass by on the shoulders with the hand or more the, whole, the holding hands, the hugs, the, hey, let's snuggle up and watch a movie together. I mean, get married and then a year in a marriage. She's on a love seat. I'm on the couch. We're watching a show together. So why does that change? <sighs> Who's responsible for that? You know, I don't know. Uh, I think as a responsible husband, I should say I am. Because the times that I've sat next to her, she's like, oh, you want to cuddle and snuggle? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, okay. You know, and so it's, it, I will take fault for that. <laughs> um at the same time, I could be in the room first, and then she'll come in and sit in the love seat and, and, and whatever. So I think it kind of depends on who's in there. Um, so is it important enough for you to change it? When I'm, conf- when I'm uh, 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 confronted about the situation, okay. yes. <laughs> I, feel, I feel the... Um, do you feel like it's like just a habit, maybe a good habit that you kind of fall out of? And if you're intentional about it, it could be a good habit that you kind of get back into again. Very much so, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be an intentional, make it intentional to go back, to get back into the habit. And then after that, it's like, well, this is just kind of what we do. Yeah. You know, yes, there will be times that, you know, we're really tired and just, hey, can you go over there? And I want to, I want to spread out and relax, you know, and whatnot. Other times is, hey, can we sit together and kind of snuggle, hold hands, and, you know, do something together. How does having a kid change that? So when she's up, 
the attention is always on her, mm-hmm. trying to make sure she's happy, trying to entertain her, uh, show her the attention she needs as a developing toddler. Um, when she's in bed, we're tired. <laughs> so <laughs> it makes it difficult then to say, okay, we put the baby to bed. Now we can shift our attention on each other and focus on each other for the next yep. You know, 45 minutes to a couple hours, depending on what night of the week it is or if it's the weekend or yeah. you know, what's going on with that. And what's your daughter's name? Natalie. Yeah. And how old is Natalie? She is, uh, let's say, 18 and a half months. Okay. So getting into everything. Yep. Always needing the attention. Yep. Always cranky, fighting naps. But she sleeps well at night, so that's good. So um, and what time does Natalie normally hit the bed? We try to put her down. We try to do start the night routine between six fifteen and six thirty, usually in bed by seven, mm-hmm. and then by that time, you know, like I said, we're both tired. But you know, but then we can, you know, choose to spend time with each other. Or hey, Ryan, go out, feel free to go to the basement. I want to watch my my TLC shows mm-hmm. or whatnot. So that's good. Um, so then, in summary, then how important is physical affection? It doesn't seem as important when it's not there than what we realize it is when it is there. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, when there is the affection, we realize, oh my gosh, we missed this. Like, what what happened? Yeah. You know, why is this different than than when we were dating? So a year from now, when I re-interview you, I'm expecting to see... Uh, that the score in that that grade go up at least one notch now that you're at least aware of it and you're planning on being intentional about it. Okay, so from physical affection, let's go to the next love language is uh, words of affirmation. Okay. That too is much more important than we realize. Um, Mm, How so? So for me, especially when it comes to Work-related situations. I know. I know this focuses on marriage. Mm-hmm. So, but work for yeah. me, when I have my peers and people on my team say, "Ryan, you're really knocking this out of the park. Keep it up." That makes me realize, okay, maybe I am at the right level. Then or maybe I'm not the imposter, you know, pretending to be higher than what I yeah sure could be naturally. Um, at home, you know, it's it's interesting because. Jamie is very good at, a, at words of affirmation. You know, you're such a good husband. Like if I, you know, surprise her with a clean house when she gets home or like, hey, I, you know, I'll put the baby to sleep when she comes home late at work from work. And like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, it, it's really neat. Um, however, there, I didn't get them much growing up. So at times when I'm given words of affirmation, I kind of just shove it, like just kind of toss it away, like yeah, because I'm embarrassed about it, and I'm like, it, it, I'm not, I'm not doubting the purpose and intentions behind the words, but at the same time, I'm thinking you're just saying that to be nice, you know. So and so, what if she were just saying it to be nice? So what's wrong with that? Nothing in in essence, I guess, because again, it's just trying to be nice, trying to be affirming to her husband. And and I know for her, she's even said, Ryan, I wish you would tell me how beautiful I am or, or how good of a mom I am. Like, you know, am I a good mother? Well, of course you are. Well, how come you don't ever tell me that? Like, yeah. So it's like those Snickers commercials where they just keep cramming Snickers down their mouth because they don't know what else to do, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so I guess you've kind of alluded to this then. Um, but how important are words of affirmation to Jamie? Extremely. When we took the the quiz back when we were dating, just mm-hmm. out of curiosity, uh, that was her number one. Mm. Yep. And that was near the bottom of mine. In terms for, of in terms of giving. Gotcha. Um, so. So how how long have you two been married? We've been married almost four years now. Okay. So knowing that's at the top of her love languages, um, how do you improve in an area like that? What's it take for it to be important enough for you to try to be intentional about feeding her love language? I think being confronted by it <laughs> in a podcast interview. 
Um, but, but seriously, <laughs> though, not supposed to be confrontational. <laughs> uh, but but seriously, though, it's you know hearing her say, you know, basically, can you please give me kind words? Amen. You know? yes, and then absolutely. realizing how important that is to her, and then seeing how she responds when I do just randomly say, "Hey, by the way, you look great tonight." Yeah. Or, I love I love your haircut. Yeah. Or, um, you're a good mom. Yeah. No, I, I, don't, I couldn't have asked for a better mom or, you know, there she's watching some some funny wedding shows. I'm like, you know, honey, I'm so glad you said yes, because I love being married to you. And it's good. good. So, I like that. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So how about when you go home tonight? Why don't you plan on saying something intentional that's affirming to Jamie? Can you think of something off the top of your head? Do you want me to answer you or no, I mean, just a yes or right. can you it's think a, of it? Oh, yeah. 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 Totally spontaneous yeah. on your part. Mm-hmm. Certainly could. Um, so you mentioned a little bit earlier in terms of your parents. Um, what was their love language towards you? If it wasn't speaking like words of affirmation, mm-hmm. building you up, telling you that you're loved. Um, one of the things that I learned from one of our buddies, uh, Brian Tenner, is he shared with me, probably 10 years ago, how um, he would build Olivia, his daughter, by telling Olivia how proud he was of her. Mm-hmm. And that was like a light bulb moment for me that I realized, you know what, I need to be much more intentional with my kids about sharing with them genuine moments that I'm proud of them mm-hmm. just because it's important when they're growing up. Because similar with me, when I think back, I don't know that I really remember my dad being all that affirming with me. My mom, much more so than my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried a little experiment last week um, on social media where it's I shared that a friend of mine, good friend of mine, had basically kind of like out of the blue um, paid me this very nice, unexpected compliment. And it really made my day. And then based on that, it got me thinking, you know what? It cost me absolutely nothing, nothing to share words of affirmation, encouragement, even to tell a friend that I love them, other than just being intentional about it. Um, and so I started the post and I said, anybody who likes this post, give me you know a fair amount of time to figure out something genuine and sincere that I can go ahead and share with you in terms of what I, I really um, like or love about you. And so I had about 40 people respond to that. And so this week, what I decided I was gonna do since a lot of my close friends, really, it isn't, we don't connect that much on social media. I just decided to go ahead and proactively send out emails to all those friends about, hey, look, here's here's what's special about you and why. So, um, just because again, words of affirmation, they're really, it doesn't cost anything other than being intentional and sincere about it. So, certainly. <clears throat> um, but your parents, in terms of what was there, how did they show you love? Uh, provided me, you know, the, you know, keeping me safe, obviously, the provide the shelter, mm-hmm. the food, the, uh, the means to do what I would like to do within reason, you know, playing baseball was important to me growing up. And so they made it a point to say, okay, you know, we'll, we'll make sure that you can play, you know, in the fall and in the spring. Um, and on those, on those trips to those games or to the practices, my dad would intentionally ask me, how are things going for you? You know, Good. Yeah. and then uh, so like, how's school going? Like, what's and so if I've had if I had something that was bothering me, or an interaction that I didn't like at school, you'd say, okay, well, how do you feel about that? And so, doing that over the years, um, he even he and I talked about it many years ago. He said my intention with that was to make you realize and feel comfortable that I'm. You know, I can be approached and you can talk to me about things. And it worked. You know, we, we had a great relationship growing up. I have a great relationship now. So um, who do you think is more approachable right now? That's your mom or your dad? You know, I would probably probably my dad. Oh. Um, and, um, but again, it's kind of always been that way with, with my parents. Yeah. You know, but I also know... Uh, and I see this more now as an adult. I've been seeing it more and more since college, how much my mom really does love me. 
you know, when you're a kid, you know, you don't see it as clearly, mm-hmm. but then you realize, oh my gosh, you know, there may be some things that you think they did wrong, but you, you know now as an adult, they were doing that because they were trying their best to show you that they cared. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, we all make mistakes. And now being a parent, uh, my, uh, myself, I'm starting to kind of see, yeah. well, shoot, you know, everything, everything, you know, matters. And, and so, uh, so yeah. And so now I could still go to her and say, you know, if I have anything bothering me, you know, it's, I can, I can go to her and say, Hey mom, what do you think? And she'll, she'll value that. She'll value the fact that I'm asking her, her opinion and be able to share that with her. Or with yeah. me. So, uh, you spoke about Natalie. Mm-hmm. How do you show Natalie that you love her? It's kind of silly. Cause I'm, I'm kind of a goofball. You know, I've always been kind of a goofball. Uh, so there are times that we're just goofing off. Like today I picked her up from my parents' house and we're driving back home and she's, just in the back going, eh. And so I decide to make fart sounds in my hand and look back and she laughs and giggles and everything. And other times when we're at home, kind of pick her up and look at her and like, hey, Natalie, where's your nose? You know, where's your eyes? And then how big are you? And she raises her hands up in the air and I say, so big. Uh, and then uh, something else that I do that I picked up when uh, when I was serving in, in the, the toddler's room at church is... Um, just kind of very gently just kind of patting the back of her head you know when, when the little ones are running around like that was kind of like you know and, and it's not much but it's enough then to, to feel that gentle touch back mm-hmm. their head and realize okay you know this person is safe can be trusted um and it's it's that physical touch that's coming out and maybe that's that's used to be one of my number you know one of my highest highest love languages yeah. too so um, so that, and then sp- sometimes like I'll read to her, you know, we'll take turns putting her to, you know, putting her in her bed at night. And so, you know, I'll come in and read her bedtime story or a Bible verse, uh, and then, you know, lay her head on my shoulder and rock for a little bit and then put her down. So it's, yeah. And I'm sure my relationship with her is going to change as she gets older, you know, it gets more interactive and we start talking with each other. Uh, I'm really looking forward to, Hey, shh, mommy's coming. Let's hide and scare her. No. <laughs> much to my wife's unhappy, you know, uh, disdain, but you know, I think I've been looking forward to that for a yeah. while. <clears throat> um, so you mentioned that your parents, or at least your dad's kind of primary love language. And I think this is common with a lot of guys is acts of service. Yes. You know, they bring home the, the paycheck, keep the roof over your head, food on the table. Um, how important are acts of service to you and how important are acts of service to Jamie? Right. So for me, I've always, that has been, probably the number probably the number one uh way i show mm-hmm. uh i've ever since post-college being on my own you know if a friend would say hey ryan can i get your help tonight or can i get your help tomorrow night well i've got this whatever that i need to do like if i didn't already have plans of something to do to do something else without hesitation yes what time you need me you know um and I've had some friends that I'll ask for a favor, like, I don't know, you just have to get out and get up and all that. And so it just makes me realize that each person has their own way of showing love. You know, just because I'm quick to help if someone says, hey, help me, uh, doesn't mean that everyone else would, be, you know, should be as well. Um, and for Jamie, I... I I know that she appreciates it when I do things around the house. Um, back when she was, before we had Natalie, she'd be at work and I'd work, be working from home a couple of days. I mean, there were many times that, you know, I would be working, but also have a couple of loads of laundry going, you know, or when we first moved in the house, I was able to get a couple of rooms painted while working, you know, you see everything's cut up. Okay, go paint for a while for a while, come back. If there's any emails or anything, respond to those, take care of those situations, and then get back. Um, so how do you guys divide household chores? Who does what? Who does the majority? Who does the minority? Right. So it's, we really don't have like a clear-cut separation. Okay, Ryan, you do this, I'll do that. Except for yard work. If it's yard work, okay, Ryan, when are you going to go out? No. All right. 
Don't you think you need to mow? Yeah, because Jamie has a full-time job too, right? She, uh, mostly, yes. She's technically part-time, but a a, a fuller part-time. And so she will work uh, about three days a week plus every other Saturday. So when she's working on the weekends, it's generally, you know, I've got Natalie with me too. So I, I can't just say, hey, Natalie, hang tight. I'm going to go mow the lawn, you know. Um, but when it comes to laundry and such, when she's, the days that she's off, you know, if there's, if the laundry's piling up, she'll throw a load or two in the wash, you know, get them through and then bring them upstairs and we'll fold them at night. Uh, you've known me for a while, Rob, so you probably wouldn't surprise you if I told you I'm a little bit picky with some things and folding clothes is one of them. So early on, she's like, fine. Uh, if you have your certain way of folding, then, um, I'll fold mine, you can fold yours, and we'll be good. I'm like, okay. So we kind of do that. And I have uh, a, a, something funny that some friends of mine uh, laugh at every time is I have changed my way of folding towels to match how she does. And it's just taught me that there, it's good to compromise. It's good to give up some, some set in my ways, ways. <laughs> To say, you know what, for the betterment of the family and the household and my marriage, just shut up and do it. Yeah, you got to pick and choose your battles. If yeah. folding a towel is something that you can go ahead and concede on, it's, that seems like that is a low-hanging fruit to give up in order Absolutely. to keep peace in the household. Absolutely. Um, so how about gifts? How important are gifts to you? And how important are gifts to Jamie? And uh, what's the nicest gift that you've received and what do you think is the nicest gift that you've given to somebody in a while? Okay. So I can tell you that gifts for both of us is probably our lowest, mm-hmm. both of our lowest, which uh, it's always kind of uh, relieving when you're in a relationship with someone and their lowest is your lowest. So you don't have to worry oh, about yeah, crap. Right. Do I need yep. to, you know, do I, I need agree. to, you know, I have to do something that's out of my comfort zone normally. Yeah. Um, Partly for me, I'm so picky that people don't like buying gifts for me because I don't know what you want. Here's a gift card. I'm like, okay. Um, But I've found that during the holidays, I enjoy giving the gifts, you know, because especially if there's some thought behind it. Yeah. So are you a good gift giver? When I have an idea of what might mean something to them. Um. So give me an example. Like, have you been able to give uh, Jamie something that was like spot on or picked out a gift for Natalie that was spot on or maybe your parents or a friend or right. a co-worker? Yeah. So, um, so as a quick example, I know my dad in his retirement likes to uh, narrate books. Hmm. He's, wow. he's he's a he's an independent sci-fi author and has been narrating some books as a hobby, um, and he basically had built himself a soundproof box that he puts his microphone in and talks in. Well, I was browsing the internet one night and I happened to see it, and uh, I saw I saw one on like mega sale, like it was like eighty mm-hmm. percent off. I'm like, shoot! So at first I just sent the link to my dad, and he's like, huh. Said yeah. He said yeah. That'd be pretty great. I'm like, okay, I can take the hint. Yeah. So I got it for him. However, it arrived on the our doorstep when we were out of town. So I and my dad would come over to let one of my dogs out, and he, I said, so dad, uh, there's a package on the front step, and he's like, okay. And so we brought it in. So when we when we came home, we realized that there were graphics on the box that said exactly what it was. So I'm like, well, I'll need you to forget about this, please. Right. Yeah. But but knowing so for that, and then you know, getting Jamie jewelry that mm-hmm. I know she's going to like. It's it's always fun getting a gift for someone when you know this is their passion, or this is one of many things they enjoy doing, spending their time with, and I can't wait to see them open it, you know, yeah. open it up. Uh, my sister, when she was three years old, she had one of those reading, those living books. It was right, it was a computer game, 
but it was the the just grandma and me book that was animated with flash and basically they would read a page you'd click the next button and then there's things you can interact with and so one year i decided i'm just gonna buy her the book and give it to her for christmas you know we're both adults and so why not and then you know just kind of see and she opened it and had a tear in her eye and so and of course because i'm a sympathetic crier i start crying and mm. so it's you know it's just it's really neat um so the last love language is quality time mm-hmm. how important is quality time to you and how important is quality time to jamie and what does quality time look like these days sure, sure. quality time has always been you know top for me as well uh i kind of always had three that were kind of a three-way tie at the time mm-hmm. was touch, uh, time, and uh, acts of service. And um, for me, it always meant just being around somebody. You know, I don't care if we're independently working on homework or if we're independently on our computers or uh, watching TV together or even, I mean, sitting down and playing a game together. You know, it's just the fact that we're here and consciously taking time out of our own leisurely night that we could be at home resting to say i want to hang out with you tonight it doesn't matter what we do let's just be together um and so with jamie again it's you know what are we doing at night you know we can we can sit back and watch a show together or say hey we haven't seen a scary movie in a long time so let's go ahead and see what we can find and then three hours later we actually find something and halfway through she falls asleep and you know because right. you know, it always takes forever to find something you know you almost have to do that like during the daytime and then say okay i'm gonna watch this tonight so how much quality time do you guys have an opportunity to spend with one another are your schedules kind of synced up and lined up where it's it's easy for you guys to spend quality time with one another or not i think it would be easier in the evenings mm-hmm. um because both of us work generally and uh, once Natalie goes down to bed, we can then say, okay, let's get to, you know, let's, let's hang out, watch something, or, or just talk. Mm-hmm. You know, how's your day been? You know, and how's your case? There was a case that she had at the, at the clinic the other day. Um, how often do we do that nowadays? I mean, we, half the time, she's kind of watching one of her shows and then goes to bed early, and then I go and, I kind of lay back on a, in a guest bedroom and watch TV for you know a couple more hours, and I come into bed. Um, it's just that, you know, she she requires more sleep than I do. Uh, we haven't really figured out why, but she'll you know she'll want to go to bed sometimes eight thirty, maybe nine o'clock. I'm like I at least got an hour <laughs> left, you know. And it's interesting too when we first got married, I made it a point that we would go to bed together every yeah. night. You know, if you're tired, okay, well, I'll go to bed too, you know, and, and, uh, as time has progressed, that's become less and less a thing. And I've also thought about that recently and thought, okay, why is it no longer a thing? Yeah. Besides the time, besides the time of going to bed difference, you know? Yeah. Um, because like big picture, how long do you think it takes for a couple to gradually begin to grow apart? If they're not intentional about the little things that keep them together. I can see it going quickly. Um, do you have a TV in your bedroom? Do you like to watch TV in your bedroom? We have one. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because there were things that when we were talking about, you know, pre-marriage, like, you know, let's get married, but let's wait to buy a house. Mm-hmm. Well, within three months, we looked at it and bought a house. Getting married. And then I'm like, okay, I really don't want a TV in the bedroom. I agree. I'm the same way. What happened though? We got a TV for the bedroom. It actually isn't used very much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's <clears throat> primarily the TVs in the main rooms that we'll watch. Yeah. Um, so do either one of you like to read before you go to bed or anything like that? She does. Yeah. Sometimes if it's not watching one of her shows, it's she's reading, yeah. you know, or again, if we're together watching something together. Yeah. But if it's like, she wants to do her own thing. It's either watching some of her shows or reading the recent book that yeah. she's gotten. Yeah. Um, so does she read like recreational stuff or is it more self-help or more? They are recreational. Okay. Yes. So typically uh, fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I have about a dozen books on my nightstand that I'm trying to go through. And um, some of them are for a book study that I'm going to do with uh, different friends or just because it's required either, not really for work, but just for um, other stuff that I'm doing. But mm-hmm. to me, it's I've, that's been one of the things that I've tried to be intentional about this year is going to bed anywhere from 30 to 40 minutes earlier and trying to read either one of the books that I have or trying to go through the, the Bible. Because I've always, that's always been something to me where I was, um, I've always wanted to make time to either read scripture in the morning or in the evening. And right now it's kind of in the rhythm right now where I'm trying to read it at night. So, um, yeah. Okay, so that's quality time. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's move into your story. Um, okay. Let's talk about you and your story. Who are you now? If I ask you a big picture, who are you? Um, how would you define that? It's a loaded question. It is. <laughs> you can take it any direction you want to. You can take it like obviously, like I'm a father, I'm a right. son, I'm a worker. Right. It's whatever direction you want to take it. Like you said, kind of the most obvious father, husband, son. Mm-hmm. Um, relatively new in being both husband and father. Uh, I was one of those late bloomers and didn't get married until my mid-30s. So uh, a large part of my life has been single, Ryan. And so I, even now, I'll wake up or I'll look around and have to remember... I have a wife and a kid now, and that's <laughs> so different because I still find myself going, okay, this is what I want to do, go out and do on my own today. I want to go here. I want to do that. I want to do that. But, but wait, is this right for the family? Like Jamie's here, and she's got Natalie, and is it right for me to want to go out on my own and do this, or should we try to figure out what can we do as a family? Good question. How'd she feel about you taking off on Monday evening to come over here for a podcast? She had absolutely no problem with that. Okay. Right. Um, When I look at myself uh, in not-so-rose-colored glasses, Mm -hmm. right, I see a uh, worn-down former workout guy who's trying to recover from shoulder surgery, who's using his injured shoulder as an excuse not to work out, um, and then you might say too that the my former self being more active, you know, several years ago, I've noticed kind of I've been on a downward slope with you know less and less working out, which affects your mentality, it affects your sure. your yep. happiness. Um, don't get me wrong, marriage and family life is absolutely wonderful. I wouldn't give it, I would not trade it for the world. Um, but it's sad. It, they're not the reason I don't work out anymore. It's just, it just happens, you know? And then the new job started a few years ago, stress builds up and like, do, do I really want to get up and go to the gym when I feel like this or just, meh. So, so let's say you could have your ideal schedule, your ideal scenario right now during this season of life. What would that look like? I think it would be, without a doubt, when I would work out in the mornings, mm-hmm. and I actually was able to do that this morning, thank, mm-hmm. thankfully. Sure. Uh, working out in the morning, expending that energy and just wearing yourself out, it, it fills you with endorphins, and it just makes you happier oh, I agree. the rest of the day. And I've noticed that today. I'm like, I'm just kind of seem happier. I mean, I had a really busy day at work. But I'm just kind of like, eh, yeah, you know, we'll do what we can. You know, there's always tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then um, go to work or log in from home with a job that I like doing or, you know, working on projects that I like doing. Um, so do you like what you're doing right now? No. <laughs> there, are, there are elements of it that I do like. Uh, and some days I like it better than others. True. Yep. Uh, and real, real briefly, my career has been so random 
you know, I one job led to the other, which brought me to the IT world. Mm-hmm. So, what exactly do you do right now? What's your current job? Your current profession? So, I am a business analyst. Okay. With a focus on software testing. Okay. So essentially, I am a they my title they use in the projects that I'm on is testing lead. Okay. So it's not necessarily being a tester, mm-hmm. but understanding what needs to be tested, being able to work with the teams that are the testing teams to say, okay, here's what we need tested, and here's when, and here's why. Um, and there have been some tests that I've actually done myself uh, because we actually had some hardware in our office that my team owned. And I was the business analyst there and said, okay, Ryan, you're the tester on this. So I would create the plan, create, create the scenarios, and then run through the tests and report on that. Um, so it's kind of an analyst, a little bit of a project manager related to testing. Uh, but again, it's not really my right. straight, pure cup yeah. of tea. So when you were a 10-year-old boy growing up, you didn't fantasize about being a lead tester? Not at all. <laughs> Unless I were testing baseball bats or baseball gloves. Right. So what did you want to be growing up? Baseball player. Oh, baseball player. And I knew I was going to be a baseball yep. player until I hit about 15. And I was still only about five foot eight, And mm-hmm. I'm like, yep, I'm not going anywhere. So that was kind of hard. Um, so what was your early childhood years? What were those like? When Let's I talk went, about how you got to where you are now. Let's start out, to, first of all, childhood. Sure. So childhood, when I look back, um, was actually up until I was 10, Mm -hmm. quite pleasant, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, even though I had severe hyperactivity and had to go to specialists to figure out what was wrong and all of that, I have fond memories of, you know, Funny enough, car rides in the with my mom on the way to the psychiatric to the psychiatrist's office to figure out what's wrong with me. Just <laughs> listening to the music, you know. She, you know, we had old Christian tapes, yeah. And so we put a tape in, and I would literally drum on the tape box, you know, whatever little the the tape c- container we had. I would just drum on it, and yeah. I mean, very pleasant <clears throat> playing outside with my neighbors. Um, we were on a rotating cycle base in school so i was on generally i would go to school for about seven weeks then i'd be off for two and then another seven or whatnot and so there were times that i was on my own you know i was on vacation but my neighbors were on a different Mm -hmm. set so they were in school and i remember there were a couple times i climbed on top of my monkey bars and would just sit on top of the monkey bars just kind of enjoying the peaceful outside singing goofy little songs to myself just being you know content um, What's your earliest childhood memory? Probably I was two years old. I was eating ice cream out of the carton with my dad at the <clears throat> kitchen table. Dang, you can remember back pretty far then. If you remember two years yeah. old, holy smoly, wow. I was squirming around mm-hmm. and my feet slid through the back of this chair and I got stuck at my shoulders and head in between the back of the chair and the front of the chair. And they had, my dad had to go get a screwdriver and take the chair apart in order to get me out. Oh my gosh. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So that was one of probably my earliest memories. That would have been a Kodak moment if he had captured a picture of that. We do. It's somewhere, somewhere in my parents' house. Yes. Wow. (laughs) Um, So fast forward, um, what was uh, grade school like? What was high school like? college were those good years bad years right so grade school up until fourth grade like i said it was pretty good you know again fond memories uh uh in third and fourth grade uh part of fourth grade before we moved uh we had recess every day which was amazing so i'd go out and play cakeball and i was good at it and so it was, that was fun but we moved to florida when i was in fourth grade <laughs> in the first couple of weeks I did really well because I was good at kickball and uh, I was really honestly quite disappointed in others lack of skills I guess because 
I'd see them kick about eight feet and then run. I'm like, dude, I kick at 60 feet, you know, it's like, ha ha ha. Um, but being an adolescent with ADHD means that I would have my hyperactivity spells. And not only that, but I was also a sensitive kid. So I would get hyper being a new student. The other students didn't know how to handle me. My teacher didn't know how to handle me. And so they had no other recourse other than to calm me down in front of the class. And so what, what constituted calming you down? How would they do that? Well, they would just call me out and say, Ryan, you need to settle down or, or whatever it may be. Ryan, stop joking around. Ryan, be quiet. Ryan, sit down or, or whatnot. And so it didn't take very long for that to happen enough that then either it happened or I perceived the other students in the class teasing me when mm. it happened. Yeah. Um, and then so from fourth grade, honestly, until about eighth, uh, I had this whole, you know, people are always teasing me mentality. I didn't really have very many friends in school because I had this perception, often a misperception that people didn't want to be my friend. You know, they didn't want me to be around them. I had my church friends, but, you know, the church, the, where we were, the church was around six different schools. And so everyone was kind of spread out. So I really didn't have any classes with the friends from church. Um, get to high school and you kind of start to grow out of it a little bit. Ninth uh, and tenth grade uh, and even eleventh grade. It's really sad. I did not eat lunch in the cafeteria. Why is that? I was terrified. I was terrified to go in the cafeteria, all these seats, all these tables, these people that I'm, a lot of people that I really want to like me, but I have absolutely no idea how to just relax and just be there. And then, you know, people would naturally decide, okay, he's cool. Or like, you know what? I like these people better, you know? Um, and so I would actually convince my teachers to let me eat in their class. So... In ninth grade biology, um, she allowed me to eat in the class. That's we had biology right after lunch, so she allowed me to eat in the class right, right before class even started. So I, everyone else would be in the cafeteria. I'd be in the, in the classroom by myself eating lunch. Uh, and then in tenth grade, I had um, uh, an elective class, and half the class was before lunch, half the class was after lunch. And so I would, you know, half the class would go over, you know, would would be done. Everyone would leave to go to lunch. Well, I didn't. I just sat in the classroom and finished my lunch. And then they all came back and we finished the class. 11th grade, basically the same thing, but prior. But, but again, lunch was right before before class started. So did you do anything to try to get connected while you were in high school? Anything to develop some sort of sense of community or relationships or belonging Within or sports? Schools, no. At school, no. I mean, it was, I went to school. I participated in class. Uh did my homework mm. at home, turned them in, did, you know, I, I graduated with honors. So, mm. you know, high school itself, yeah. academics was a success. But when I'm talking about my social life before college, not what, you know, in the school yeah. system, it was terrible. Um, were you part of any type of youth group during high school? At church, I was. Yes. Church. Okay. And so my social development came almost primarily from church and youth group. Okay. Um, and there were, it was tough. We actually switched churches um, right before, like the summer between my seventh and eighth grade year. Um, and then came in and met the new friends. And those were my close friends up until college. And even I still keep in contact with several of them nowadays. You know, they're all, you know, spread across, spread out everywhere, but still like to keep in touch with them. Um, so how about your faith journey? When did that start? So I was raised, uh, born and raised in the church. Mm -hmm. And at nine years old, uh, I walked down the aisle, said I professed my faith, got baptized, um, and then had been involved in the church up, you know, all the way up until college. Uh, and never once questioned my faith. Um, 
I definitely could have pursued it harder. Uh, in college, uh, I, I kind of sort of half joked that I go to church for college. Like I go to college and then I went to a Baptist college. So it's like I, I'm in church all day, every day. So I um, didn't really actively pursue a church attendance while in college. Uh, I did a few weeks out of a semester, but for the most part, I didn't. Um, and then graduate college and then come back home, attend the church that my parents essentially had joined since when, because we moved back. I graduated high school in Florida and then we came mm -hmm. back to Missouri. I went off to college um, and, but, but the family, we decided to join a particular church. And so I called it my church home when I was away at college. But even at times that I'd come back from college to visit or over the summer, I didn't quite feel like I belonged there, mainly because I was away at college and everyone else, you know, and other people who were at the church had grown up together. So it was really hard to break into that group of friends there as well. And then it was in 2009 that I had a buddy of mine say, hey, why don't we, he said, we need to, we need to try to find a new church. And he said, what about this crossing place? I said, okay, sure. And so, you know, I started there in, in 2009 and then, um, did that for almost a decade and then got married and we we're kind of making our making our path trying to find a place uh, we've recently started going to a different church um, just to, to have a to, to see what else is out there you know it's, it's a change um, excuse me it's a it's quite a bit smaller than the crossing is um, but at the same time it has that type of feel like the newer modern High production worship, but good message type church. Yeah. So that's. Um, so, where do you feel like you're at in terms of your spiritual journey right now? I'll admit it, it could be stronger. You know, like kind of like the theme of my life. Mm -hmm. um, again, I will never doubt my faith. Uh, I've got a strong foundation in my faith. Um, Is it bad to doubt your faith? Is it abnormal to sometimes doubt your faith? No. And, and I think the word doubt can be used so many different ways and different extremes. Mm -hmm. You know, because yeah. I guess by definition, doubt is, well, am I right? Like, what if? Um, starts out as a what if, but it can go all the way to a, I don't really think I believe this anymore type of doubt yeah, I've never gotten that far yeah. um, because I still from what I you know what I have seen what I've heard and studied the Christian faith just does seem like the most genuine unique thing you know everything there are other you know non God centric like our God centric religions that are just off the deep end with stuff I definitely trust that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, and that's the Son of God. Okay. So that's why I'm a Christ follower. Um, but I realize that people are all over the map, all over the spectrum in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, some people believe it, some people don't, but that's definitely where I stand. Um, so in terms of your spiritual life and your spiritual journey, where do you feel like God's calling you and nudging you right now? Or do you even sense like God is calling you and nudging you anywhere? That's always been hard for me to discern uh, because I am uh, I'm kind of a natural skeptic when it comes to some things. And uh, the, the pitfall that I find myself in quite often is trying to decide someone else. They're saying, I feel God calling me to do this. And I look at him and I say, or at least I think, is that really God or is that just your desire and you're using God as an excuse to do what you want to do. I spend too much energy on that than I do thinking, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Because um, honestly, I think the real reason I, I, I don't ask as much as I should is honestly it scares the, the whatever <laughs> out of me. I'm like, you know, sell all your belongings and follow me. Could be. I don't yep. know if I could do that, Lord. <laughs> you know? 
Um, or Ryan, you're you're in the wrong profession. Like I don't doubt that, but what does that mean? You know, what is it that I what he might be calling me to do as a profession? And does that mean starting off way below, you know, current earnings and having to decide, okay, we've got to cut some major things out in order to follow this this path. How about starting out with um, being a husband and a father? Where do you feel like God's calling you right now? Just in those two ministries, those two areas, if you like. Because that's something that you're going to be committed to for your entire life. Right. I think it's to become more intentionally happy. And what is happiness? What's that look like? What's that mean? Taking. Taking what's on my plate. It's like, okay. This is what I have. Yeah. This is what I can do with it. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, I've got this job. Do I love the job? No. Does it pay the bills? Yes. What else can I do about, you know, with this? You know, it provides extra means that I could be doing something else with it. I can be giving it, sharing it, or yep. um, improving our home, or, you know, taking the trip, you know, taking the family on these trips, you know, and we, we do that from time to time. Um, to be happy in my situation, to show, exude, hey, I'm happy. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's a lifelong journey sometimes. It is, yes. And forgive my blabbering there. Yeah. So. No. Um, so what do you think makes Jamie happy these days? What brings joy into her life? Watching Natalie grow. Watch her become more of a human instead of just a baby, you know. Um, she might not say this out loud, but coming home and seeing Daddy interacting with Natalie. Seeing Daddy happy. We're seeing, you know, husband Ryan happy. Um, because she's, she's full of grace. Any plans to have more than just one? That is the plan. <laughs> and uh, it, it may be sharing a bit too much, but that's my style. Um, I say right now, we've, we've been playing the lottery now for a few months. You get my drift, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So um, we haven't exactly like sat down and tried to time, okay, this day, this day, this day. It's just yeah. like, you know what? If it happens, it happens. Uh, she is wanting to become more intentional about it. And with most women who are trying to be intentional of conceiving, uh, it can be quite daunting and quite disappointing when they realize, well, it didn't work that time. Yep. And so, uh, but yes, we are definitely looking for another one. It, I always wanted three. Mm -hmm. How many uh, does Jamie want? At the, she grew up with three brothers, so she 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 said she's always wanted at least four. Mm -hmm. um, when we got married, I think we had talked about three. Uh, but then, for me, honestly, we pay. You know, we had we had help from both sets of parents for the wedding, but also paid a good chunk of it ourselves. And I'm like, you know. Uh, if I'm ever to become a father, at some point I'm going to have to help with, and it sounds so silly. I mean, it's, it's, this isn't the reason, but, uh, I joke about it. like, you know, if I have to pay for these weddings, I don't want to have four kids, you know, especially four daughters. I mean, that's, you know, but again, joking. Um, but I think it rationally looking into it, you know, it's, it's tough to raise a larger family and, 
Um, I know I would like more than one. She would like more than one. And we've decided that two is the magic number. Yeah. And I'm thinking if we have a daughter, I'm like, if we can get a son, we're good, you yeah. know. But at the same time, if God blesses us with another daughter, like, okay. And, you know, I'm right. I'm going to be the only male in the house besides the dogs, you know. Yeah. So, um, okay. You know, a house full of princesses, you know. So, um, and, and even if... You know, God closes the door on further children. You know, like, okay, well, we've got Natalie. She's great. There does seem to be a plethora just within, like, your, the 30-something peer group right now. Um, everybody's going after either their second or their first or their third kid. So there seems to be a wave of pregnancies kind of within your 30-something peer group. And that's also weighing on Jamie's wanting another child yeah. now. Yeah. And then being disappointed when... Yeah. that one didn't yeah. work out yeah. so yeah you do have an incredible group of friends i do you want to share it all about that tell me what they mean to you definitely so um most of my friend group now that i see on a regular basis um and it's funny regular as a married man with a family <laughs> is different right. than regular yeah. as a single guy oh, yeah. right because yep. regular singles was like weekly right. right but regularly as a family now is like well we see them a couple times a month yeah you know yeah uh so my closest friends i met at the crossing mm -hmm. as yeah. single 20 somethings oh, yeah. or early 30 somethings and we've since all gone on and gotten married some of us have had kids others yeah. have kids on the way others yeah. are trying um, and we do, we, we intentionally find time to spend with each other, um, as families or just guys sometimes, you know, yep. or if, if the families get together, oftentimes the ladies are upstairs, the guys are in the basement hanging yep. out for a little bit, or guys are outside, you know, smoking a pipe, you know, yep. um, tobacco for right. anyone listening. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, it's, it's been great. You know, and I also have a couple other very close friends that are not, original crossing folks that are also believers that yeah. have been very crucial to my life and development yeah. as a, as a man. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's an incredible group of friends and guys. So definitely that kind of incredible. So, yes, sir. um, so considering the stage and season of life that you're in right now, mm -hmm. if you had any type of um, words of wisdom or words of advice that you'd want to give somebody in a similar situation or leading up to where you're at in life right now, what would that be? Definitely, you know, seek, seek God, you know, and uh, again, it's going to look different for each person, what yeah. that means um, to get involved, intentionally make friends and, find commonalities with those friends because the more you can share with commonalities with your friends the better off you'll be um find a group of friends that actually sharpen you instead of just going out and having fun with you know because going out to the clubs or whatever and you're, when you're in, you know in your 20s and single only go so far like i did that for a little bit of my life and i felt i didn't feel empty but i didn't really feel very full either um it wasn't until i was finding more and more time to spend with my friends in more intimate settings going over to someone's house you know just a few of us just to kind of hang out or watch a movie or go out and play disc golf you know something more wholesome um to develop that deep friendship with and uh, if you're trying to find that magical someone to spend the rest of your life with uh you know it's cliche but when you know you know you know, I, I so much hated hearing that from people. I'm like, that's such a BS answer. Just So what? when you met Jamie, did you know right off the bat that she's the one? I say yes. Mm -hmm. She says it took her a few weeks. Ah, a few weeks isn't too bad. Yeah. No. Um, but Better than a few years. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, because, I, you know, I had, with the whole dating thing, I had, I had gone out many times over the, a few years I had, I had quite quite a few first dates mm -hmm. and not so many second dates and they all just kind of just went nowhere either i wasn't realized i wasn't interested or they weren't interested or or, or whatnot um and then 
was around a couple of girls for a little bit longer time period. Uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, not very long at all. But when you've only gone on two dates in the past, going on a fifth date with someone kind of means something. So just finding out what it was that I was looking for in a partner. Um, what were you looking for? What was most important to you back then? And what's most important to you now? Right. So it was always important for me to find another Christ follower. Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, the problem that with online dating, because that's where I found all these girls to date and actually that's where mm-hmm. I found my wife, was you can mark I'm a Christian on a profile. That's probably a whole nother, we could probably spend a whole nother hour talking about that whole thing. At least. Yeah. And, and so sometimes I was pretty, I was able to figure out pretty quickly. Yeah. They just checked the box because right. that's what they identify as. But are they really living it now? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then other things was just general lifestyle, like spinning habits, uh, family, you know, family life, um, hobbies, interests, uh, I hate to say this, but political stances too. I mean, it's, I would imagine it'd be mighty hard to live with someone with completely opposite political ideas than you. How about looks? How about looks? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think anybody who says no are lying to you. Right. Um, At least at some point. Yeah. You know, um, there had to be that initial, oh, yeah, she's cute. Yep. And, um, and the personality too, you know, I, uh, I never doubt someone's intelligence really, unless it's customer service and I'm angry at them. Um, but in person, everyone has their own points of intelligence and brightness. Uh, but there are certain personality types, you know, there's the brainiac or there's the, the dits. The ditzes are oftentimes really intelligent, but they don't come across as such. That drives me nuts. Or the super controlling A types that have to be heard and they have to share their opinion with everybody no matter what, that gets on my nerves. And so it had to be someone that would go with the flow. So what's your personality type and what's Jamie's personality type? I think it depends on the situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I will admit that in the family, I do try to exert more control over things. Um, Jamie does not like conflict unless it's absolutely necessary. Um, so there are times that I come, I become more overbearing in something. Usually it's something menial. It doesn't matter, you know, um, but I, I'm stupid. I put my foot in my mouth and I make a big deal about nothing. And then Realize I just ruined her night. How easy is it to apologize for both of you and then to accept one another's apology? That a strength or weakness or somewhere in between? When I have always felt that when I know I was wrong or realize I was wrong, I have no problem apologizing. Has that ever happened where you knew you were wrong? Oh, just yes. teasing, just teasing. Oh, oh, uh, maybe once. No. <laughs> um, we're guys, right? Right. So we're bound to make mistakes on a daily basis. Right. And, and so, and, and I mean, there there are times still that with, with the man brain, I'm like, but, but I was right. It doesn't matter if I was or not, but I feel like I was right. Then I just have to swallow my ego, you know, and realize it's not the point I was trying to make. It was how did I try to make it? Sometimes there are more important things than being right. Absolutely. And and then when I realized, okay, I was a dumpus, you know, I needed um, either I should have said anything or shouldn't have said it that way. Yeah. And like, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, and, and something that that we still, we have conversations about at times. And I have to remind myself too is, you can only like just apologizing and apologizing about things without enough intent to try to 
change. Right. Yep. Or, you know, the, the service that we went to uh, this weekend um, was about repentance. You know, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, God. doesn't mean anything if you keep doing it. Amen. Right. So it's the same with same with marriage, you know. I'm sorry I opened my mouth again. Or I'm sorry. Okay, but Ryan, what are you doing to show that you're sorry? Like, are you trying to better the situation? Yep. And and that we've had a conversation we've had that conversation a few times about things. And yep. Like you know, don't just apologize, but actually like try and like yeah. you're right. Yeah. You're right. My friend, it's a great conversation, and I hate to end our conversation there, but I want to be respectful of your time. Um, I certainly appreciate you coming over here. Love you as a brother. Appreciate it very much, and uh, we'll have to have another conversation again. Pick up where we left off here. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you.